Psalms of Ascent, and they truly are songs that were sung as people made pilgrimage to the different feasts throughout their time up to Jerusalem. And today, uh, as Peter says and read to us, we're in Psalm 126. Our main point today is the following, and I want you to see this main idea, and I hope it sticks with you, uh, not just today, but moving forward. So let's just ponder on this big idea for today. Remembering his goodness leads to requesting his greatness. So just read that to yourself up there. Just to yourself. Remembering, so this big sheet is here today for, to help us ponder remembering. Remembering his goodness leads us to requesting, to requesting his greatness. And in between there, I believe, we're filled with joy. And that's part of the reason that we end up requesting. This is a movement that happens here. And in this psalm, you're going to see this movement today. What's interesting about this psalm, it's a psalm that speaks to the past. It's a psalm that speaks to uh, the present time that the Israelites are in. And it's a psalm that speaks to their future. And I love it because we can relate to that. We all have a past with God. We all have a current present. And we all have this future. And the question is, what's our thoughts regarding that? I think it's so easy to forget what he's done and not be filled with joy. Anybody relate to that? And then actually not request as a result. So we live in kind of this swirling, yes, I'm a believer, but that's about what I can say because I'm forgetting and I'm not in this active relationship. And so the Israelites show us this active relationship through this song that they used to sing. So will you get the big idea in your head right now with me? Repeat after me. Remembering his goodness leads to requesting his greatness. I think they go together. And joy actually becomes the power behind that. Let's look at the psalm again, and it'll be on the screen, and let's read it. And would you open up the Psalm 126 if you have it? And somebody shout out in the Pew Bible, where's, what page is Psalm 126 on? So anyone without a Bible? 627 in your Pew Bible. 617 in your Pew Bible. So let's get there, Psalm 126. And as we read this, look for the movement of past, present, and future. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we were filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seeds to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. The irony is that I've come to this incredible realization about this psalm in my own life. I realized in 2003, I was singing this song. 
We've been telling song stories uh, throughout this series in the 11 o'clock gathering. We've been having people come up and share what songs have been touching you. Because these were songs that touched the Israelites. So in modern day, we were saying, what songs have been touching you? And my song story day, you'll see it on this next screen. In 2003, post the birth of my first boy, who was our fourth child, um, I was singing this song. And I was actually singing this song, and I didn't know it. I didn't even know I was singing this psalm as this song of celebration until this week. <laughs> I was, I, 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 I'm in awe, actually, of that. And here's the backstory. In 2003, my fourth child, Noah, was born. This album came out in 2002. And I was really into this uh, series of albums called Passion. They still create them each year. There's a Passion album that comes out. And one of the songs on it by Charlie Hall is The Lord Has Done Great Things for Us. And it just restates the psalm in modern day song form. And I love the line, The Lord Has Done Great Things for Us, and We Are Filled With Joy, and We Are Filled With Joy. And he goes on and on, all right? And and what I came to realize was that was in 03, post my son being born. And I just realized this last week. And here's the backstory: Because God had done a great, great work of restoration in our family. Just like they're singing this song, the Lord has done great things for us, because they're singing about a great restoration that they have had and they want to remember it. Isn't it amazing? Even I, aren't I so human like the rest of us that... I had this profound experience of restoration in my own family and never tied it that I was singing Psalm 126 and barely remembered that I had over 10 years later. It's just like us. We're forgetful people. The backstory goes like this. Our son Noah was born in 2003. We were given that name on a plane from God when we were traveling in 1995, eight-year period. I looked at my wife when I heard this woman say to her son on the plane, Noah, Noah, you need to get up now. The plane's landed. And I looked at my wife and I said, oh, we should name our first boy Noah. We had no children in 1995. And she went, surprisingly, yes. Because <laughs> we hadn't agreed on names. Originally, the names of my first three boys, which we didn't have, were Nick, Phil, and Jack. <laughs> and she didn't like those. So when she said yes, I went, oh. And from that point on, we held this name, Noah, Noah. Well, 1995, before 1995, um, we had already tried to start getting pregnant. And that wasn't working out very well. Fast forward, it's 1997, and we're three years at least trying in infertile. And anybody who's been infertile, you know how that journey goes. It seems hopeless. It seems like a ravine that cannot be filled with anything. And you're endlessly reminded of it. Now fast forward to 1997, we do get pregnant. And it seems like the flood comes because we get pregnant in 97, we get pregnant in 99, and we get pregnant in 01. Three girls. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Noe? <laughs> what am I supposed to do with this name, Lord? I thought you gave us this name. He gave us the name of our first daughter, Sadie, a few years after the Noah name. At a grave site, we noticed in law, we noticed on some of the other graves of my grandma, there was a Sadie, and we knew there was a Sadie in my family, in, in my wife's family, so we had chosen those. Sadie was born, Emma was born, Elise was born. Emma dies six months after our third child's born of a heart condition. So second daughter dies, we're left with two. 
Now, the ravine is even deeper and drier. There's a girl named Catherine born the same year as my third child, third daughter. She's my niece. She had a heart condition. Our second daughter had died of a heart condition. Didn't make a lot of sense to have more kids. What am I supposed to do with his name, God? As a selfish male, I wanted some boys. I got to admit it. It was deep. It was a dark season. 9-11 had happened. Lots stirring. I remember my wife in 02 coming to me and saying, we should try to get pregnant. And I thought, that's the craziest idea I've ever heard. We shouldn't tempt fate. We shouldn't go there. But we did. And in 03, he was the only child we didn't know what the sex was. And in 03, when that doctor pulls that child out and says, it's a boy, I didn't believe it. I had to double check. And I can remember being on the phone, being so filled with joy, and my mouth filled with laughter. Oh, it's a boy. It's, it's Noah. He's come. And there was this sweet restoration. And then I began to sing this song. The Lord has done great things for us. And I remember that song was played in my car and played... Uh, on my iPod, if they were invented then, I can't remember, on something that I ran with. And I was filled with joy. I can remember journaling about that, and I can remember asking then, as a result, and requesting for other things, because I had seen the movement of God in my life. And that joy overflowed into God. What more do you have? And it helped me, at times, really to stand on asking for more because of how profoundly God had moved. Now, the timing wasn't perfect. Isn't that so true in all of our lives? So this psalm really speaks um, to a journey of remembering and requesting and being fueled by the joy of that. Let's go back in and look more in-depthly in the psalm. And let's start with verse 1. It says in verse 1, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. It's interesting, Zion, don't get confused. What's the word Zion? Jerusalem is on Mount Zion. So they used to refer the, to Jerusalem and the Israelites sometimes as Zion. They just clump them geographically and say, those are the people who live on Zion. Those, that's the area of Zion. The, you know, so Zion. So don't get confused there. The Lord restored the fortune of Zion. Now, the backstory on this restoration process was this. The Israelites had been exiled in the early centuries, often several times, or had been overtaken by enemies, and they had been able to come back and reclaim what they had had. And look what it says. He restored the fortunes. They could never believe that the fortunes that they have could be restored, but they were restored. Has God in your own life restored something that was broken down? That's what he wants you to remember here. So that he remembers he's with you, that you have re-enter into that joy, and then you can continue on with him. And look what it says in verse 2. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. It was like a dream. 
It was like a dream that had come true. And then look what it says. The people, other people noticed. What's interesting, a lot of people didn't know that story about Noah's name. We hadn't told a lot of people that. But a few knew. And they, like us, were in awe. And our faith was encouraged as a result. And that's the power of that. And with Israel, I mean, it was as they were public. People just looked at the Israelites and like, you're the people who claim you know the living God. And what's happened to you? And the journey of Israelites kind of went like this, didn't it? But in this case, the people saw the restoration. And I believe that helps them potentially be drawn to God. So people need to know how God has provided for you. That's why it's so important, so important to remember. And then look at verse 3. This left them in a present spot. So the first two passages are about the past, the present spot. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Now, how about for you? This is where I want you to do some work. In your message notes, you have a post-it. You could pull it out in a little bit. We'll have more post-its up here. But here's what I want you to think back. What are the great things that the Lord has done that has filled you with joy? What are the great things that the Lord has done that fill you with joy? And here's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about two past things and one closer present thing. What are two past things you go, the Lord did this, I know he did this, and I'm so grateful for it, and when I get back to that spot, I am filled with joy. And what's a present thing? I want to give you a moment right now. And is there a song that actually reminds you of that? Write that down. Take one of your post-its and write down two past, one recent things. I'm going to give you some time there. One present thing. Do you have it? Now realize this. If you don't have it, that's okay too. Next slide speaks to that. If you're struggling to remember, ponder why it might be so. It could be this simple. You don't have a very good memory. (laughs) And grace to you. You can still follow in the present and into the future, even if you have poor memory. And you might have a bad system of remembery, meaning you might not have a system to remember. I know a guy for the last 16 years uses one piece of paper, puts down a date, And every time he thinks he sees a movement of God, he writes it down. Simple date on the piece of paper, simple phrase describing the scenario. Sometimes he says he goes back to remember those, and he can't make sense of a few. And he says, I'm not supposed to remember those anyway. But there's enough over a course of a year on that sheet of paper that he has significant things that he remembers the movements of God in his life and in other people's lives. Can you imagine a year of that remembering? Can you imagine another year of that? 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 I'm not even going to do this 16 times. 
But can you imagine 16 years of writing down simple dates, simple phrase that helps you remember what God would do? If you do that for the past, can you imagine what that might do for you in the present? And then can you imagine what that might do in fueling your prayer life for the future? God knows we're forgetful. That's why he gave us the Bible. God wants us to be people of remembering. And there's power in that. There's such power in that. Now, face it, if you don't have a good memory system, it's easy to start. I just gave you an example of one. There's some other reasons why we don't remember. Sin gets in the way and blocks our memory. It just does. And we probably got to confess that because we get this view of God that hinders the current joy because we're mad about the past or we have sin in our life and we're just being flat out rebellious and we don't think God's that good anyway and for some reason we're rebelling and it blocks. It blocks us from requesting and it blocks the current joy. So if you have blatant sin, you should just blatantly confess it. In James 5.16, it says, confess your sins to one another and you'll be healed. We know, most of us, John 1.9, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will purify us from all unrighteousness. He wants us, the word confession just means this, agree with God, he knows, all right? Agree, just agree. And I believe that opens up the door to actually more joy and then opens up actually a more honest dialogue about requesting. There are lines that says, it seems in the Bible, that if we're stuck in our sin, our requests almost aren't even heard. I don't want to get legalistic about that or make you scare that, but there's something that blocks. There's a, there can be a block. Or maybe God has let you down. When you remember, you didn't have a good restoration or enough restoration moments, and you're frustrated with God. And my reaction is, don't let that block the dialogue. Wrestle that out. It'll probably get you to some acceptance of God and his timing or some acceptance about yourself. Does that make sense? So you've got to wrestle it out. But that hinders us from remembering and having joy and requesting. And then here's another reason why you might not be present. It fuels the future. What I'm excited about today is you'll come up later near the end of uh, my time and put what you've remembered about God. And then we're gonna, I'm going to ask you in a moment to put some bold requests down. And what's neat about that is that can you imagine when other people come in here next gathering and they go, it is true. People do have remembrances of God's power. And people do have bold requests for the future. And that spurs on faith for all of us. It's almost like letting somebody into your soul and go, let me tell you this story that filled me with laughter and joy and I can't believe he did that. That's good for us as a community. We need to do that more and more and more. Look where this passage leads us. Remember, our main point for today is that remembering his goodness leads to re requesting his greatness. And now the psalm shifts in Psalm 126 verse 4. It's now moving to the future. And look what they're asking for. They're asking for more and more restoration. God, you've restored us in the past, but restore us more. And it says, restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. It's interesting that they use that word Negev. That's not a word we know. The word Negev means parched, dry land. It was the southern area of Israel, and it was barren. It was barren. 
From a rain standpoint, it only got to about 8 to 12 inches a year. And the word Negev actually means to bore a hole. So there'd be these deep, dry basins that were not filled. But once in a while, the Negev would then come alive with water and it would be restored. And plants that don't grow anywhere else would rise up in the Negev. And this would become a fertile ground once throughout each year. And this is, what we're, this is what they're asking. God, we're barren. God, I'm desperate. Fill these water streams in my life because you're all I have. Take it a picture. I want you to see uh, uh, the Negev being filled right now. We'll run this video for you. This is a picture of the dry, barren land. and six, but we're going to revisit that in a moment also. Look what they're saying though, as you're requesting for the future, God restore, flood these dry, parched, Negev-like areas that are in my life or in this world. But then it says, those who sow, those who sow with prayer, sow with tears, but they will reap at some point songs of joy, verse five, and those who go out weeping, carrying seeds to sow the seeds of prayer. There's symbolism here. Look what it says. They will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves. Sheaves are just bundles, bundles of what God has given them. Reflect back to the bundle I was carrying with my son Noah. There were tears over infertility. There was questioning of, God, what are you doing? Why would you give me a name? And then there was fulfillment of that. But this is where God's making something very, very clear to us. The journey of joy-filled restoration will not be without perseverance and pain. So don't get me wrong. Joy comes also with perseverance and pain. And he wants us to see that. It reminds me of a season with uh, friends a few years ago where I really thought the friendship was over. We'd come to a tripping point, a misunderstanding, and the reality was this. I actually thought maybe it's time for us to move on, literally from here. I could not believe that this friendship had crumbled. 
And it needed time, and it needed conversation and distance, and there was much tears, and there was much pain, and I couldn't believe how misunderstood I was at time, and they couldn't believe how misunderstood they were at times. And what's amazing, over the course of a two-year period, I watched that be restored. And sometimes now we're with them, I'll kind of sit back and go, Oh, Lord, how did we get here? You somehow flooded this thing and made it better because this is a dry, parched land that was no longer going to be fertile after so many years of friendship, but you did it. But then there's other times where I have some current (laughs) negevs in my life right now. I have some medical conditions with my family, with my parents, that I go... I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how this is going to work out. When I look at our nation as a whole right now, the endless violence, Kabul, Munich this week, isn't it crazy? Every week there's a new one. Go back to Louisiana, Dallas. You go, this, God, you've got to flood this. You've got to flood this nation Because this is not, this seems like a dry, parched, huge burrow that will never be quenched. Can you relate to that? But we got to come back to, oh God, the Lord has done great things for us. When we are filled with joy and we can ask for greater restoration. So as I leave you right now, I'm going to ask you um, to grab another post that you were given to. And we'll put some other post-its up here, haven't What are the big requests you want to ask of God? What are the big requests that you want to ask of God? Look what I've, I've challenged you to. Pick one for you, one for another person, and one for our nation. You can write all three on this post-it. We're going to get some markers up here and other post-its in a minute that if you want to come do that, if you don't have it, you can just come up and do it. But will you request boldly that God would flood your life, would flood somebody else's life, and would flood our nation to make it fertile again? It's interesting. John, in the book of John, he writes this. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. And listen to what he says. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. I love the correlation of Old Testament and New Testament as John 16, 24. So we spend some time now requesting as I pray for you. And then come forward and put your remembering post-its here and your requesting post-its there. And Marty will come forward and give us a little music as we do that. Lord, thank you that you are a God who restores and is endlessly wanting to us to restore us more and more and more. And we ask right now in the name of Jesus that you would help us know what to pray and you'd help us know what to remember. And Lord, help us do it boldly. Where are the driest areas in our lives? Maybe it's our own soul with you. Where are the driest areas in other people's lives? And may, Lord, we come requesting and asking for you to flood, God, for you to flood. And then, Lord, give us the ability to remember who you are and how great you've been. So we ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church podcast. We're located at 3560 Farm Hill Boulevard in Redwood City, California. You can reach us online at www.peninsulacovenant.com. 